Welcome, this is Anthony Haynes, I'm Creative Director of Frontinus Limited. Welcome to the Greylit Cafe podcast brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability and research. Now, we use episodes on this podcast to fulfil various functions. One of the functions is to review resources uh, either as examples of grey literature or, as in the case uh, today, um, as an example of uh, what people can teach us about aspects of communication, including grey literature. So the resource that I'd like to review today is a book. It's by written by Sean Callahan. It's published in 2016, and it's called Putting Stories to Work by Pepperberg Press. Now, to put this in some context, when uh, my wife Karen and I started our business, now called Frontinus, many years ago, we were focused primarily on publishing services, and we our audience was quite a broad audience, uh, our market, it was quite a broad market of um, professional and academic publishers and authors. But as the years went by, we became more specialised, doing more and more work in the technology market, well, particularly the engineering and infrastructure markets. And so um, we actually formally relaunched our business with the name Frontinus uh, as a communications consultancy aimed at the engineering and infrastructural sectors. Now, on this journey, one of the interesting things that I learnt was that the more I found myself working in the engineering and infrastructure sectors, the more people started to use the word story. But when I was asking people, well, what do you require from a piece of communication in this area? People would say, well, it needs to tell a good story. Some of our leading clients were universities. We work both for corporations and universities, uh, particularly universities like uh, Cambridge and Harriet Watt. And I was very struck that if I asked, say, a professor of engineering, when a graduate student's trying to communicate their work uh, in a paper or a thesis or whatever, what do you want out of them? And I was really struck by how often the answer was, we want them to tell the story of our research. Now, if I'd been working in a discipline such as history, for example, or English literature, or perhaps classics, I don't know, I wouldn't have been quite so surprised by the prevalence of the word story, but I was a bit surprised by its prevalence in the the sectors I was now working in. And I kind of think, difficult to substantiate this with stats, but I kind of think the word was even more prevalent in the engineering and technology sector than perhaps it is in some arts and humanities area. Now, along with this emphasis on storytelling, the need to have a narrative in writing and communication, came a demand for good resources about how to do it. So, for example, I met lots of early career researchers, graduate students, for example, who were very definitely being told, you have to tell us a story. And they were thinking, okay, fine, I get it. I know that's what's wanted. Well, how do I do that then? Because somehow... I went through I went through my undergraduate, you know, my engineering degree without without actually having to worry about that too much. So I'm aware that I'm required to be a storyteller, but I'm not really sure how to go about it. And so I cast around looking for some good resources to recommend to people. And I did actually find a number of resources. I have to say I recommended them 
rather fitfully because a lot of them, well, lot lot of them were rather slight, and some of them uh, I had sort of slightly mixed views about anyway. So I th- I thought it was um, a, an area that was lacking in somewhat, and. What I like about this book, Putting Stories to Work, is it absolutely, absolutely answers that question of, well, how do I do that then? You know, what's all this storytelling business? What exactly are people talking about? Because they don't want me to write a novel about engineering. So so what exactly are they talking about? But also, how do I then do it? How do I put it into practice? And I think the, the book by Sean Callahan is actually brilliant doing that i i don't suppose i've used the word brilliant that often on the gray lit cafe podcast but i make no apology for doing that i think it's a brilliant book let me pick out three things that i particularly welcome in the book the first is callahan's emphasis on what he calls small stories and i think the best way that i can illustrate that is by actually reading um, a reasonable passage to show show what I'm talking about. So this is what Callahan writes. The section in this passage is called Small Stories. As natural as it is for us to tell stories, as soon as we enter a meeting, begin a presentation, or start a formal conversation with a colleague, all our stories disappear. We bring forth our most authoritative voice and a pine away saying things like, there are three key points here, and I think that, and it's my view that, But as we've seen, the problem with this approach is it's mostly forgettable. You need to inject some storytelling into business proceedings to get the right balance of argument and narrative. And to do this effectively as a leader, you need to concentrate on what I call small stories. The storytelling spectrum is a simple but useful idea that I learned from my friend and fellow storytelling expert, Mary Alice Arthur. At one end of the spectrum is Big S storytelling, which includes those elaborately crafted stories we see in movies, novels, plays, and even some of the advertisements we see on TV. Big S storytellers apply plot structure, character development, beats, scene design, and myriad other storytelling principles and practices. They've probably read Robert McKee's fabulous book, Story, Substance, Structure and Style, Style and the Principles of Screenwriting. At the other end of the spectrum is Little S Storytelling, where we find the stories we tell on a daily basis, in conversations, anecdotes concerning real-life experiences. Leaders need to focus on the Little S end of the spectrum. There's a lot we can learn from big S storytelling, but business people don't need to be screenwriters or novelists. In fact, applying too much craft in communicating with stories can lead you into a big trap, analogous to the one discovered 45 years ago in the field of robotics. And he goes on there to talk about a phenomenon called uh, the uncanny valley. Now, I think uh, Callahan defines precisely there the kind of difficulty I had when I was looking around for resources to recommend, that quite a lot of the resources were either uh, implicitly or in fact often explicitly looking at big S stories. Uh, one, one example, a book I actually recommended to some people, and it's a book I like very much actually by a crime novelist called George Higgins, and it's just called On Writing, and he gives some great examples of both fiction and non-fiction writing. But I'm not sure it's kind of that helpful for this business storytelling function that Callahan's talking about. So I think he's absolutely right to focus on the kind of stories that we tell 
sort of without really thinking about it as a natural part of our discourse. That's extremely helpful. So that's one of the things that I liked about the book. Another thing is the way that he he, he formulates a process, a, a process for storytelling, and in fact a process for becoming a, a better storyteller in a business or professional context. And he breaks that process into four things. Now let me tell you the second step i'll come to the first in due course the second stage in the process is that one needs to learn to remember stories because you can't tell them if you haven't remembered them and then the third step in the process is to learn how to share stories with other people effectively and the fourth stage i I rather like it's quite a original part of the book he talks about refreshing the stories by which he means improving the stories that he used more than once and also learning when to drop stories so he's got remembering stories, sharing stories, and refreshing stories. So what's the first one? Well, the first one is learning to discover stories. Now, when you say to people you need to become a better storyteller, they often assume this means they need to learn how to invent stories or design or create stories for the first time. And, of course, you can do that. But Callahan points out that there's an awful lot of stories just around that we can use because people are telling stories all the time. And so he suggests that what would be good is if we could learn to identify stories so that rather than just sort of let them uh, uh, wash over us, we actually think, hold on a minute, that's a good story. That's the kind of thing I could use. So his book is very good at alerting people and sensitizing people to the stories that they might hear. And he, therefore, this takes me to the third point that I like about, particularly like about the book, which is he develops something called a storytelling framework, where he looks at how you can structure stories and, you know, to tell, but at the same time that you can spot that structure. Once you know this structure, it makes it even easier to identify stories. And um, I'm going to make the book sound a bit more crude than it is by just focusing on one particular framework. In, in, in fact, he's sort of, uh, Callahan is aware that different stories will have different structures. But one framework he particularly points out is the idea that a story begins with a, a marker. And he talks particularly about time markers. So once upon a time is a time marker. But equally, if you say something like, do you know what happened to me yesterday? Or uh, I, was talk- uh, I was talking to so-and-so over lunch. You know, these are time markers. And really, they're the kind of things that make us think, oh, story coming, right? It, it's almost uh, it, um, automatic that stories start like that. I think I'd probably could put a bit more emphasis than Callahan does on place markers as well. You know, one, once upon a time, long, long ago in a dark wood, you know, we often we often tell the place. And Callahan reckon, um, uh, recognises that, but I think perhaps slightly underemphasized i notice in anecdotes quite often it's something like um you know i was i was at the football match last week and and so you hear the place and the and, and the time but that's the first feature that the spatial temporal marker and then he says it's a series of actions that are re- re- related you know you, you you hear about a series of things that happen and, and they tend to be for it to really be a coherent story they tend to be connected in some way. And then they finish off with a point, you know, where it just goes to show, doesn't it? I suppose, you know, I suppose we knew that was going to happen, didn't we? You know, there's going to be some sort of drawing together. Maybe not actually immoral, but we often talk about 
drawing the moral of a story, but kind of bringing out what the, the, the point of the story is. And I think that's extremely useful as well. There's a lot, lot more in the book that's valuable. I just happened to have picked out the three things that really struck me most. Now, many years ago, I created some resources in the form of a PDF and um, and in print form. They were actually designed primarily in print form. It's a series of resources called Writing Protocols, and they were printed uh, on card, uh, postcard size. You know, they, they are they look like postcards. And one of the resources I created was called Top Ten uh, Resources in Communications, and another one that I created was Top Ten Resources for Writers. Both of these are on our company website, which is frontinus.org.uk. And if you scroll down to the bottom of the the page, you'll find you can download these resources as PDFs. Now, when I created those two resources, I hadn't read. In fact, I think I hadn't actually heard of uh, Sean Callahan putting stories to work. I can say now, having read it carefully and read many parts of it more than once now. Had I known of that book, it would have gone into both of those sets of resources. Although it's it's not primarily about writing, actually. It's primarily about oral storytelling. But anyone who's wanting to incorporate stories into their writing could see, I think, pretty straightforwardly how to incorporate uh, the learning from the book and and, 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 uh, incorporate that into one's writing. So I would have included it in both top tens i think i think i'm right in saying it would be the only book that would have got into uh, or resource that would have got into the top tens for communication and and writing so it's it's a book i really recommend and it, it's really nicely written with a light touch i mean i i found i i could read it very quickly it didn't feel hard work. I actually just enjoyed reading the thing, but it's extremely useful resource. I'm sure I'm going to go go back in my own work and keep reading passages and, and drawing out ideas from it. So I hope that's of interest to you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Grey Lit Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Hallmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specialises in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra. (laughs) 